May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I thought we were going to verse 3 there, so I was kind of waiting on it, but we didn't get there. Um, you might think that um, having married so young, I was 20, Abby only 18, that we would have been each other's first loves. Not true. She had other suitors before me. There was Matt Hartley and um, some fellow named Bumper and another fellow named Lee, whose name I have purposely forgotten, and Mike Shields and other people. There were, there were guys before me. And um, a few years before I met her at the ripe old age of 12, I was in love with Heidi Humphrey. And, um, and Heidi was this uh, lovely young lady with curly dark hair and dark eyes and was a bit sassy and, um, and very demanding. I remember her being much more demanding than, uh, than I should have put up with, but she was cute, and so I did. And um, she was sort of spoiled and got her way with about everything and, um, you know, whatever. We didn't spend much time together because, after all, we were 12. Um, we would, um, you know, take a walk around the lake and hold hands, and then both of us had to be home by dinner. So that was about the extent of our relationship. But I remember one day she tells me she's moving to California. California. I swore I'd make it to California. But it might as well have been the moon because that was how far it was away when you're 12 years old. So I remember going to her house and waving goodbye. And she drove off with her, you know, in her mother's car. and She was gone. And it was a week or maybe two before I met Denise Amler. And um, I was holding hands with her, and I realized I was okay. I was going to make it. wasn't that bad after all. And that's sort of the thing about real love, isn't it? Real love isn't um, done away with so easily. There's real attachment when love is real, and it cannot be easily broken. Matthew, Luke, and today in the Gospel, Mark tells a story about a young man who comes running up one day to Jesus as he is passing through, and he falls down and he begins to ask him a question, what thing do I have to do to inherit eternal life? I want you to think about how well he starts off. He comes to Jesus. He kneels down before him. He asks, what part do I have to play in this? He's taking responsibility. And Jesus says to him, you know, you know the commandments? And he begins to list them. He lists the commandments like this, uh, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Um, the young man says in response to this, I've done all these my entire life, from my youth up. I've always done this. And he's telling the truth. We should believe him. These have been his priorities. Except... There's a little bit of a problem. When Jesus lists the commandments, he starts with number six. Goes six, seven, eight, nine, and then goes back and lists number five. I don't know about you, but I do keep a pretty good count of the number of commandments. And last time I checked, there were ten. Um, there, there are ten commandments, and Jesus doesn't give all ten. He starts with number six, works his way through, uh, through nine, and then comes back and hits number five. What is the fifth commandment? Honor your parents. Honor your father and your mother. And he places that last instead of first 
almost as if he's emphasizing it. Perhaps this young man might think that he's been doing a good job keeping the commandments, but maybe Jesus is making a point. There's another issue, and that is the ones that are missing. Commandment number 10, about coveting one another, uh, coveting other people's goods. And commandments 1 through 4, which deal with the relationship to God. I think it's interesting, especially that number 10 is missing, because Mark says this man has many possessions, lots of stuff. And the commandment that is missing, one of them is about coveting other people's stuff, as if to say there's an issue here as well. But the most curious thing is the, the absence of the first four commandments. And if you know the first four commandments, deal with one's relationship to God. You shall have no other gods before me. It, it literally, in Hebrew, don't put another god in my face. I don't want to see that. No idols. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. The commandments teach us how to love God and how to love our neighbor. And what is the summary of the law? When Jesus summarizes the law, what does he say? What do the Hebrew scriptures say? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbors yourself. The commandments teach us how to love. And so the young man runs up and he kneels down. And he, what thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Keep the commandments. Oh, I've done that my whole life. Really? <laughs> Is that what you're going with? Verse 21, Jesus, looking at the man, felt love for him and said to him, One thing you lack. Go sell all your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Loved him. Looked at him. One thing you lack. Go sell your stuff and give the money away. I think this is, you know, I've read this passage for years. I have preached on it in every uh, gospel context, the, the Matthew, Mark, and Luke passage. Uh, I have looked at this, and it never occurred to me until this week that Jesus doesn't tell him to give away his money. He tells him to liquidate his possessions. <laughs> Go sell all your stuff. And give the money to the poor. And then come follow me. Now think how different that is from every other time when Jesus calls somebody to follow him. What does he do? Come, follow me. And they leave what they have right there and they walk off. Jesus doesn't say this. He says, you go have a sale. You know, put the garage sale sign up, bring in the auctioneer, do whatever you do. Go have your sale. Then go distribute the money. I'll wait. Come follow me. It's very, very different than the other ways that he has dealt with calling people to follow him. You see, I think that the issue was that this man was quite religious. That he was quite committed to religion, but not at all in love with God. Not at all in love with his neighbor. He very much was in love with himself. And so he heaped to himself a lot of stuff. Jesus says this, or excuse me, the, the, Mark says this. At these words, the man was saddened and he went away grieving. For he was one who owned much property. He had lots of stuff, and this is just too much. But here's the thing. The other disciples, the ones who look on, Jesus' followers, they say, how is it possible for anyone to be saved? Which is a very, very good question. I think that Jesus makes demands of this fellow that he doesn't make of everyone. This guy, this particular rich young ruler who comes before him, he makes demands of him that he doesn't make of all of his followers. For instance... 
we know that Peter has a house in Capernaum. He presumably keeps that house because they often show up there, Jesus and his followers. Um, there are many wealthy women who followed Jesus and supported him. There were people like Mary, Martha, and Lazarus who had a home in Bethany. He didn't require them to sell all their stuff and give it away. And so there are many followers of Jesus who weren't asked to do what the young man in today's passage was asked. And I thought about that and it made me feel better. Because, you know, I've got lots of stuff. There are a lot of stuff I want to give away. I don't even want to sell. I just want somebody to take, you know. Um, But we all have some stuff, you know. And so I felt really comforted by this. And then I started reading some commentary, and I came across this by Gundry. He says that Jesus did not command all his followers to sell all their possessions, gives comfort only to the kind of people to whom he would issue that command. (laughs) Oh, yikes, right? (laughs) It gives comfort only to people like me, because I should hear this. When we grasp things, when we say, yeah, no, you can't have that, That is the idol. That is the thing that we love the most. It's when we love ourselves. Listen, I know we have to make plans for the future. We do. We have to eat, right? We have to have transportation. College tuition bills must be paid. These things have to happen. I live in the same world you do. We need a decent glass of wine here and there, right? These things are regular essential parts of life that we have to plan for. But we also have to put our money where our mouth is. What do we really love? See, money isn't just the issue. It's the issue for this fellow. It's not the issue in every instance. Did you hear the list that Jesus says? People who have left um, family members, father, mother, children. There there are times where we're letting go, where the thing that comes between a person and God is not money. It's a, a, a relationship or something else. Jesus, moreover, doesn't tell this man to sell his possessions and give the money to the poor so that he can make him miserable. He doesn't. He tells him that because he knows he'll experience joy that God can provide. He need not worry that he can live a life in the certainty that God will provide. Here's what he says. Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel, but that he will receive a hundred times as much. Now in the present age, houses and so on, and in the age to come, life eternal. It's not just in heaven, but that God takes care of us in this present life. See, when I was a boy, I thought I was in love. I felt something, you know. I really liked hanging out with her, and she smelled nice and all that sort of stuff. But I discovered something that that wasn't really love. And maybe sometimes we can say the same thing about religion. That sometimes, you know, it's nice to feel the ritual, to be in the presence of holy things and to do holy things and to say holy words. And that's good. I love that stuff. I am addicted to the church and the sacraments and the worship. I love it. I'm on vacation, I go to church. But that's not the same thing as love for the Lord. The love for the Lord is when he becomes first and everything else is a distant second. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.